In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The Gospel lesson read just a moment ago is the traditional Gospel lesson that we read for the Sunday after Easter, and it is a portion of the Gospel, rich and full. And I love, one of the things that I absolutely love about it from the very beginning is the scriptural honesty. Uh, Clearly they're telling the truth, and as they're telling the truth, uh, they can tell it like it is. They don't have to dress it up. They don't have to pretend it happened in a different way. And and what I mean by that is is this. Uh, We see um, that they're not faking it. They're disoriented. Uh, We hear that they're gathered together behind locked doors um, for fear of the Jews. They didn't immediately go forth uh, victoriously and joyfully and confidently. At the present time, we find them uh, disoriented and fearful, uh, gathered together behind locked doors in fear that what happened to Jesus would soon happen to them next. And as you might imagine as well, uh, they're people just like you and me, and when death comes, uh, grief comes along with it. Uh, And along with that grief are all the various emotions that we experience at such a time, sadness and loneliness and anxiety, uh, anger uh, and denial, uh, shame and and grief, the full spectrum of the human condition that uh, death often ushers into our lives. And particularly, as you remember, uh, in Jesus' last days, they had said, uh, as is so true of human nature, you can depend on us. Uh, Jesus, whatever happens, um, we'll be with you. We will never forsake you. We will never deny you. We will never leave you. Um, we're here for you. And, of course, you remember um, that which happened. Uh, they did indeed desert him. They did uh, indeed deny him. Uh, they did indeed forsake him. And you can imagine just the weight of that um, that they feel like they're left with, uh, that wish that they could go back in time, that they could go back in time and, and say things that they left unsaid, to do things differently, that, that crushing feeling uh, of shame and guilt that they had promised that they wouldn't desert him, but they deserted him, and now there's nothing that they could do about it. And this is the way uh, that it's going to be. We find them initially gathered with that type of mentality, with that type of fear. And it so often happens with fear. When we experience fear in our lives, we, uh, we build up barriers. We put up um, walls. We withdraw. We lock um, ourselves in an attempt to hide from others, an attempt to hide from God. This is the place in which they find themselves. Um, they are locked up. I remember uh, a similar uh, Similar, not exactly, but a time of feeling dramatically locked up in my own life. And one I I share with you now, and I I know I've shared it uh, years and years ago, and I I share it again uh, with you now because it's springtime and it's graduation time in our lives as well. And I'm remembering something that happened to me my senior year. It was about a week before graduation from the Citadel. All of our classes and exams were done, and uh, we were just waiting um, to leave. And it was parades and parades and parades that had to keep us busy with something. And my friend Tom and I were out with a couple of friends from high school. And and I've had a lot of bad ideas in my life, um, and and some of them... um, 
uh, are more significant and some are, are noticed more by others. And this was one of those. Um, we thought it'd be hilarious, uh, but it turned out to be just a really bad idea. The Citadel at that time was still all male, and we're out with a couple of buddies. A couple of ghosts who said, wouldn't it be hilarious if we snuck y'all into the barracks um, for a few minutes? It'd be hilarious, right? Um, and so we, we dressed them up in PTs and Citadel sweatsuits because that wasn't going to stand out um, in April in Charleston and, and went to, uh, to sneak them in because, again, this was going to be hilarious. And um, shockingly, we were caught. Um, and not only were we caught, but the Citadel was very specific about offenses and very specific about the punishment that came along with specific offenses. And, and sneaking an unauthorized person into the barracks carried the stiffest penalty, 60 demerits and 120 tours. And a tour is an hour uh, marching uh, on the quad with your rifle. And so uh, about a week before graduation, um, Tom and I suddenly had 120 of those, and there was no way that we would be able to accomplish those in the time allotted because you were allowed to march three on Wednesday, three on Friday, uh, six on Saturday. So uh, in a week's time, we could accomplish a grand total of 12. I was an English major, but still I knew that's 120 weeks, um, and the math did not add up in my favor. And you can imagine, uh, the tough thing about it was we were guilty. I mean, there was just, there was no two ways about it. We had done the crime. Uh, the prescription for that was absolutely clear. And so I, I called my father and I said, you know, y'all might want to revisit your travel plans. Um, and if you'd be kind enough to tell mom for me. Um, and, you know, began to sort of do the work because um, despair, shame, grief, um, all of the above, I was locked, trapped in a situation that I could in no way extricate myself from this situation. And as I mentioned, the, uh, it was springtime and sunny and blue skies in Charleston, but that was not the experience um, in our hearts or our souls at that point. And one of the things that was happening, it was a time of transition and a time of change at the Citadel. General Grimsley had retired. And Lieutenant General Claudius E. Bud Watts III, uh, class of 58, was becoming president of the Citadel. He had been a comptroller of the Air Force, so he knew a little bit about accounting uh, and bookkeeping and uh, laws and so forth. And uh, General Watts was being inducted. We went to yet another parade, and then we were ushered in for the celebration of his being installed as the new president. And he stepped to the podium, and he said, gentlemen, as my first official act as president of the Citadel, I grant amnesty. And in an instant, before I had walked the first tour, um, it was all wiped away. My slate uh, was clean. And if you are familiar with the word amnesty from the Greek, amnesty, what it, what it means is this. It means to obliterate and remember no more any legal offense. So not only is it a forgiveness, it is an obliteration of the remembrance uh, of the offense altogether. And in an instant, we went from despair and grief uh, and shame and being locked up without hope to suddenly um, experiencing new life. And um, as you might imagine, um, the Citadel has seen a number of presidents. The, the finest is General Watts. Uh, <laughs> there is... 
many good men, um, but far and away, um, no doubt about it, the finest man um, ever to serve as president of the Citadel. And, and I have no problem singing his praises and telling you how wonderful he is and what a tremendous impact he's made in the lives of knuckleheads um, such as myself. I share that with you because we experienced, my friend and I, in an instant that suddenly everything um, could change. Suddenly, in a situation that seemed hopeless, suddenly, uh, in a situation that we could not deliver ourselves from, that suddenly the slate could be wiped clean, suddenly everything could be made new, including our lives as well. And suddenly we could go forth as people who were not uh, locked up in despair, but people who were hopeful, who were joyful, whose lives were new. And we see in the gospel this morning that in an instant, uh, Jesus um, appears to them, and as he appears to them, uh, in an instant, their reality has changed. Uh, all the things which he had said to them are suddenly known to be true. Uh, and if all of these things are true, then that means um, that their lives are dramatically and radically new and different as well. And we see that they're, not only their disposition, um, but also, and here's part of the important message to you and to me, not only is their disposition changed, but their standing in relationship with God has changed. And in what Jesus has accomplished once and for all, through the cross and through the resurrection, yours and my status in relationship with God is changed from people who are guilty um, before God, from people who are cut off, walled off, locked off from God, to people who are restored and reconciled in our relationship with God, not because of who we are and not because of what we have done, but because of who God is in Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished once and for all through the cross and through the resurrection, defeating the very power uh, of sin and death, restoring us in a relationship with God that we who are people who are cut off, we who are people who were absolutely dead in our sins and our trespasses, that we're now people who are made alive uh, in Jesus Christ. And our reality has changed uh, from one of guilt and separation to one of joy and one of hope uh, and one of certainty. And the reason we know this to be true is this. Jesus shows them his hands and his side. Of course, we hear initially um, Thomas is not with them. He says those words, unless, unless I see it myself, I will not believe. And we hear that even that Jesus hears that prayer. And we hear that Jesus appears once again, showing Thomas his hands and his side, gently chiding him, do not be faithless, um, but believing. By Jesus' wounds... By his cross and by his resurrection, you and I are forgiven and restored. The penalty for our sins is paid. And we're reconciled in our relationship with God. People who are able to go forth with joy and with freedom and with faith. John wonderfully wraps it all up for us this morning as he writes those words. Jesus did many other things um, that are not uh, included here. There's not room enough to include everything that he said and did. But he goes on to say, these things are written that you may know, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Jesus uh, seeks them um, where they are, uh, and he seeks you and me where we are, and gracefully, wonderfully, thankfully, he does not leave us there, just as he did not leave them there. Uh, he sees them, and instead of a word uh, of rebuke, Instead of a word of, you know what, you guys really let me down. 
uh, and here's what I'm going to need you to do to go ahead uh, and get back in my graces. Jesus appears to them after all of that, and what are the words he says to them three times we hear? Peace be with you. That word, uh, shalom, which means uh, God's well-being. It means much more than just a lack of anxiety. It means uh, well-being, restoration, wholeness uh, in our relationship with God. So I pray. Uh, I pray that we hear again today that message of good news, uh, that message of joy and hope and assurance given to you and to me. We were people who were cut off from God, and yet we've been reconciled through faith to him. Not through what we have done, uh, but by the wounds of Jesus and by the resurrection uh, of Jesus. Uh, These things um, are written that the truth and the reality of that might dwell in our hearts and our minds. And that believing and knowing that Jesus is the Christ, you and I may have life in his name. And we remember that and give thanks for that in the name of our God, who is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.